Evet. <gülüyor> G2, that's all you're getting. Thanks to Shrek for reviving Bonnie Tyler's 1985 hit wonder, I Need a Hero. I wonder what comes to mind when you think about heroes or the heroic. Perhaps you think about a firefighter who rushes without hesitation into danger in order to help and save others. Or a paramedic who is there when you most need them in order to save you uh, from illness. Or a police officer or a military hero who lays down their life as a hero for the benefit of saving others. Or perhaps you think of a school teacher or a blood donor or a parent or a single parent. We are all, I think, inspired by this idea of heroes. And no surprises there. I looked up some definitions of what a hero is. A hero is a person who is admired for their courage outstanding achievements and noble qualities. Here's another one. They are known as a good person. Their great risks produce even greater rewards. We teach others to be like them and they are remembered long after they are dead. Bonnie Tyler was holding out for a hero. Mayara Carey was, uh, said, if you look in your heart, you'll find a hero. And Enrique Iglesias, wants to be your hero baby. <laughs> I wonder if you've ever wanted to be a superhero. I did. It's sometime around the age of being 10. And I caught the vision of how I could become a superhero that saved the world. Uh, unlike Spider-Man, I didn't get bitten by a radioactive spider or something else that imparted superheroes qualities to me. It actually came while I was watching an evening documentary program. As I watched that program, I felt the universe call me to become Physics Boy. Now, not many people have heard of Physics Boy, partly because his good deeds were done in secret. Also partly because in the 1970s there weren't any camera phones, and so, thank God, there are no photos of me dressed up in tight-fitting whatever with a cape and a logo on my chest. Physic Boy did have superpowers, though. He commanded the four elementary forces according to the standard model of physics, which, as you know, is incredibly important. He had like a, a particle subatomic disruptor gun that was made from washing up bottles and a pipe cleaner and some cleverly used tinfoil. And his main activity was to correct error in the fields of non-organic chemistry, uh, general relativity, and special relativity. <laughs> to be fair, physics boy wasn't quite as important as I had imagined that he would be. And he probably explains why I didn't have a girlfriend at secondary school. <laughs> but thinking about superheroes, I had a look at a website, Ranker, which ranks all sorts of things. And it has a rank of superheroes, which is the number one superhero. So I thought we'd have a look. So at number five, we have Captain America. Okay, number four, we have 
Spider-Man, got bitten by the radioactive spider. Number three, we've got Wolverine. And if you go to the functional fitness, and I'm sorry, guys, I missed the first second, but if you go to the functional fitness hub, you'll look like that by the end of 10 weeks of that. Number two slot is Superman. And the number one all-time world's favorite super superhero is Batman. Shown here as played by Adam West, which is what, as a teenager, I grew up watching. Adam West being Batman. Now, here's a question for you, and do shout out. Do you know who it is that enables Batman to be a superhero? Anyone know? Oh, good answer. I was at G2 Burnham. It took them quite a few goes to get to Alfred. You are correct. Alfred, and I did some research on Alfred. He's a fictional character, by the way, but he's got a backstory. Uh, his full name is Alfred Thaddeus Crane Pennyworth. His ex-special forces. He is uh, Bruce Wayne's tireless butler, legal guardian, best friend, aide, technical advisor, and basically surrogate father that enables Bruce Wayne to be Batman. There will be no Batman, the superhero, without Alfred. So Alfred is a hero maker, which is the title of our series. And this series is taken from a book of the same name. And over the next six weeks, we want to unpack this idea of being a church of hero makers. What does it mean to empower a whole generation to discover what God has for them? How do we release and activate the gifts that God's put within people? How do we be a church where we have many people involved in all sorts of different ways, not just a few and others that come to watch? Now, of course, the ultimate hero maker and example to us all is Jesus Christ. And it's important just to say that and not take that as read. He's our hero. He's the truest of all superheroes, fictional or real. And he's the hero of our story. He's the one we are all, by default, looking to for our inspiration. And there's a passage at the end of Matthew's Gospel that I think depicts this function, this activity, as Jesus, as the exemplar hero maker. And I want to read it to you, and the words will come on the screen. This is Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This passage is commonly titled the Great Commission. And I think it contains all of the elements that we need to look at in order to understand how Jesus is in effect a hero maker of his church. This, this passage is the equivalent of commissions, Commissioner Gordon's bat signal. If you watch Batman, you know what the bat signal is. It's a giant light projected onto the clouds. And it's like Jesus is doing that. Through these words, he's projecting to all his disciples 
the call for them to get involved and to be hero makers themselves. He is commissioning and sending them out through this passage. This series has five more talks, and I want to kind of give the overview, the, uh, the unpack the headlines of where we're going in this series, and to give us a taste of what we'll be looking at in more detail as we get to it. And the first element, practice, of a hero maker is multiplication thinking. Verse 19 of the passage that we just read, it says this, go and make disciples, teach them everything. This is multiplication thinking. Now, much of the heritage of Western Christianity is actually presented in a very individual benefit process. So you learn, you grow, you do. Often the solution to how, how do we do more is to, in effect, get more assistance, more supports to recruit those under so that that person can do more. And the, the model of most Western churches is in a sense designed to not make the whole church into heroes and hero makers. And in the Great Commission, Jesus thinks about his future work as something that will be done and delivered and rolled out through the lives of other people. A friend put it to me like this. He said, Jesus' fruit grows on other people's trees. We could all say it ourselves. We could say our fruit, the fruit of, of the grace that God has given to us, can then grow through other people's trees. So this, this talk's going to be practical, and I want you to leave with something in your mind, something that you can do, something tangible and real. So we're not just signing off on an idea, but we're engaging in a process. So I want you right now to think about something that you can do really well. You don't, you're not going to have to say what it is. It's just in your head. Think about something that you do well. It might be uh, a skill that you have, something that you've been trained or taught. Maybe you can play the piano or something like that. It may be a quality of your personality. Perhaps you're uh, an encourager. Uh, perhaps you're, you're hardworking, something like that. It, it, may be, it may be just distinctive about you. Perhaps you, you see how things can be done or you notice the person in need that others are ignored. There are, lots, there are lots of ways this could unfold. It's a talent, it's a skill, it's a, a bias, it's a, a thing we enjoy doing, it's a thing that we find we do well. In your head, can you just think of something that you know you do well? The second quality of a hero maker is permission giving. We see this in the passage, Jesus releases his authority to the disciples and the people that are listening to him. So he says this, all authority is given to me, therefore go. Let me say it in another way. He's saying, I have all the authority, therefore you can now go. He is given permission to other people to do his work. The Great Commission could have gone very differently. Jesus could have had a last-minute change of heart. He could have stood up to give his motivational pitch, you know, that he's penciled in, Great Commission, and then thought, uh, second thoughts, 
So he starts off and he says, guys, okay, I've invented this brilliant thing. It's going to be called the church. It's going to be amazing. It's going to go global. It's going to be in every language, be in every place. It's going to be throughout all of time. It's going to, it's going to have all sorts of different expressions. It's going to be big. It's going to be small. It's going to be some, some places no one will find. Others will be great, enormous cathedrals. It's going to be incredible. We're going to do the marketing. We're going to get cups with logos on. We're going to get flyers. We're going to get party poppers. We're going to get special lights. We're going, to, we're going to do the business, boys. This is going to be amazing. And I was about to get you to sign up to this, and then I realized I'm a lot better than you. On reflection, I've realized I'm perfect, and you're not. I mean, after all, I can literally walk on water. I have raised the dead. And then I realized you guys, I mean, you're just like unschooled fishermen. In fact, do you remember that time when you couldn't even fish properly and I had to tell you how to do it? And I'm like, I'm a carpenter and I knew better than you. So here's how it's going to work. This church stuff, it's really, really important. I think I better do it myself, okay? I'll do all the work. uh, But obviously, I would really benefit from your support. I'm going to be sending out a little prayer letter on occasion, and I hope you can all sign up and pray for me. And I'm hoping all of you will be happy to give a monthly gift to JesusMinistriesInternational.com. <laughs> Jesus could have said all those things, but instead he took this incredible venture, the whole mission of his life, to be rolled out through the church, which would be the container for the work of God that he was doing. He decided to allow unknown, unfamous not the best of the best, ordinary people that had only had a few years with him to be the future pillars and holders of this. I mean, not long after saying this, he would, he would stand with Peter and say, Peter, I'm like giving you the keys of the church. I'm like giving you the password. You, I'm going, there you go. You are now the boss in perpetuity. Off you go. He was, a, he was literally commissioning these people. So the second quality of a hero maker is the giving of permission. Okay, back to the thought that's in your head. You've got a thing about yourself that you've thought of. The next question, the thing I I want you to add to that, and you don't have to say what it is, it's just in your head, is I want you to think of a who. Jesus knew who his disciples were and who the crowd were. He gave permission to them. We're going to work with this thing that you know you've got. You've got some grace to give. But who? Get specific. So just think, who is it that you might give permission to? The third characteristic of hero makers and a hero making church is disciple multiplying. And this is kind of captain obvious. You know, it's kind of like a no-brainer step that needs to take. Here we're using this idea of making disciples really just to describe what Jesus calls, sorry, this idea of hero-making to describe what Jesus calls making disciples. And the common practice, again, in the Western church particularly, is to focus on our own personal growth. It's like the idea that we often hear. It's like the thing that we're often told or we tell ourselves that this is the thing we must do first before we engage in other activities. Am I personally growing? Am I personally getting wiser? Do I, do I leave tonight more knowledgeable and wiser than when I walked 
in the door? Am I learning more? Am I, am I going deeper? And this actually is a thing that can thwart the practice of being a hero-making church. Because it's a bit like we can be so fixated on ourselves, and when we're ready, then we'll take the next step to do the next thing that we never actually get to do it in the first place. Over the years, sometimes I've had a conversation with people, which in effect goes like this. They say, um, I think I want to change churches, hello, because I'm not getting fed. And here's the thought I often put to people. By the way, this is like the abrupt summary. I do, it, I do a really lovely way of saying it, okay, that makes people feel good inside. But what I, here's this short version. Babies get fed. We've had, Amanda and I have had three children, and... Um, Oh, my word. We've been through the feeding the baby. You have a little plastic spoon. You have the food all mushed up. And then you're like, open wide. And they don't open. So you have to invent. I mean, I'm not saying we do this, but let's imagine you invent a story about a train. And it's like, choo-choo, come on, Philip, open up. (laughs) And then you go, in you go. And literally, you feed the person. And then you do that about another hundred times. And then you do that three times a day, and you do it for years and years and years. But eventually, you train your children to feed themselves. You put the food in front of them, and you say, knife or fork, come on, you know what you do. Chop, chop, fork, eat, there you go. You can now feed yourself. And then the next stage is you teach them to cook, so they can cook food to serve to other people to feed them. That's the point of this point, that disciple-making is about getting to the point where we feed and invest in others. And follow me with this in a small example that I saw in John's Gospel in chapters 3 and 4. In John chapter 3, we have this story. Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them, and he was baptizing, okay? Now we jump into John chapter 4. The Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Footnote, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, it was his disciples. John, who writes this, wants us to understand a really simple but important point. In John chapter 3, Jesus is baptizing people. By the time we read of a similar event in John chapter 4, and we don't know how long took place between the two, but it couldn't have been more than three years, and it was probably more like a year, but it could have even been a month or a week. But the gap between those stories, John now wants us to know the disciples are increasing and they're being baptized. Footnote, it wasn't Jesus baptizing them, it was his disciples. What had happened in between? Well, it's obvious. Jesus had trained his disciples how to baptize people. I love baptizing people. I also love training people to baptize them. I mean, the the dunking itself, there's a whole load of technique. It looks really easy. It's a lot harder than it looks. I mean, first of all, what do you wear? Sometimes it's absolutely freezing, okay? Then how do you stand? Because, you know, you don't want to do your back in or anything like that. How do you hold people? Because you can't just, like, grab people, like, that would be hugely inappropriate. Then, of course, people float. So you, 
you, you wouldn't know this, but you've got to really push them under the water. Okay, and then you could be so caught up in the excitement that it's like, note to self, lift them out of the water, because nothing kills a baptism like drowning somebody. <laughs> so like, at the very least, Jesus had done that with his disciples. He'd said, okay, boys, this is how we stand. Okay, this is what to wear. Okay, that cassock is going to float up in the water. So here's a little tip for you. You know, He would have gone through all that stuff with them. Probably it was more than that, because probably it wasn't just that Jesus had a little sign saying free baptisms. He was probably going out and speaking to people. He was probably reviving the hearts of Israel. He was probably going to talk to people and say, hey, um, how are you with God? Do you feel close to God or far from God? Do you know God forgives sins? Do you know we can confess our sins? There's this thing, John's baptism. It's, it's for the forgiveness of sins. Um, and then, he, you know, maybe he drew them in. And the, the disciples would have been with him. Maybe they're, they're memorizing or they're taking notes. I imagine they were more than just baptizing. I imagine they had learned from Jesus how to talk to people, how to win people's hearts, how to ask great questions, how to say, hey, do you think this is something you'd like to do? Me and my friends, we're baptizing right now. You could be part of this. Hey, we're still learning, but we've been following this guy, Jesus. He's around somewhere because he's kind of like his name's on the ministry, but kind of we can do it in his name on your behalf. Would you like to be baptized? Jesus multiplied disciples in his ministry. He didn't just do himself. He actually reproduced everything that he did into the lives of those that are around him. So, the person you've got in your head, the thing that you, you know you're good at, now I want you to add to that, what is the practical first step? Not everything, not everything. What's one first step you could take? You know, like the example I just gave you, of Jesus, he might have said, just come and watch me and I'll tell you some of the technique of baptizing so you can baptize 5,000 people and not get a bad back. This is how you do it. Like, it might be as nitty-gritty as that. Take a second just to think, what could you do with that person that you're thinking now? Now, before we move on, remember, we know where this story heads. This ramshackle group of early disciples that are just learning like the how-tos of dunking in Jesus' name, they're going to be the apostles. That's what Jesus is doing. That's where he's taking them step by step by step. This is just like the first step or the second step that they're going to take. There's more steps to come. And the fourth quality of a hero maker is this, gift activating. It's not enough just to find a person and train them and teach them to do something. Uh, we need to also to bless them, or in the words of the passage that we've just read, commission them to do it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and the commission that Jesus gave his disciples was really short. It was just this. Go. That's it. Like, can you imagine we had a commissioning service? Everyone comes, you've got your cake. Okay, we'll start. Right, everyone stand. Go. Thanks ever so much for coming. Great, we'll see you all next week. I mean, it was really short. Jesus just said, there's not a lot to say, go. But it was, it was time for these disciples 
to be activated in the gifts that he was calling out. And it's in keeping with the passage that we read. The passage is called the Great Commission. Maybe we call it this, the Great Commissioning of All the Disciples. And it's important we hold on to this thought. Often in my experience, church doesn't always feel like the Great Commission. It can feel like the great big rotor for Sunday meetings that needs to be filled. And there's something about that that drains us and pulls us away from the heart of what we're trying to do. It's like we're just recruiting people who can have their arm twisted, like, oh, please, manipulation, please, please, you know, come on, okay, thanks. And it, and it doesn't have the heart of the great commissioning of disciples. And here's the point that we're making here. It's incredibly important to understand that hero-making in the church invests time in training and blessing, but there must reach a point when we say to people in one shape or another, you now have permission to use your gifts. This is not about a rotor. This is about a release in Jesus' name. Take the two services that we're launching today, G2 Burnham that met earlier and G2 City here. On, on the surface, a small change. But in reality, a huge change in terms of releasing more leaders. Probably 25 people have stepped up and been activated, like Ben prayed earlier, publicly released and affirmed in a step in gifting and told, in effect, go, okay? Now it's time to go with this thing. And then what will follow will be the next thing and the next thing. Um, my friend Luke Smith, he's great at ideas. And he taught me a way to activate people's gifts. We're going to use this at the end of the service. So I just want you to sort of think about it. And um, to understand this, do you all know what an elevator pitch is? So an ele- like, if you have an idea that you want to sell to the world, you need an elevator pitch. So let's say you've got a great idea and all you need is $100 million, okay? So you need an elevator pitch, which is you selling your story in the amount of time you might get if you met someone by chance in an elevator. So you get into an elevator and suddenly you're with Mark Zuckerberg and you think, ka-ching, $100 million are mine. But you've got to be ready to give your elevator pitch and that thereby you get from that person what you want and need in order to do the thing that you want to do. Uh, And Luke said to me, one of the great ways to release people is instead of giving them your pitch, you ask them to tell you their dream. So I do this loads. Uh, I ask people, what dream has God given you? What has God spoken to you about? Sometimes people say to me, what's your vision for the church? I have got one, by the way. But what I I like doing is saying, what's your vision for the church? Like, let's talk about that. I was at a conference two weeks ago, and a guy who leads a very, very, very big church sent me an email. And in his email, he said, Christian, enjoy the talk. Can you tell me how I get millennials involved in my church? And so I wrote back to him, and I said, ask them their dreams. Four words. That's all I sent him back. And he said that was really helpful. (laughs) So the fourth step 
in releasing in heroes, making heroes, is gift activation in releasing people's dreams. And the last point is this. The last point in hero making is kingdom building. And kingdom building answers the question, how do we measure success in a church? How does Jesus define the success of his mission? I think in this passage, he tells us that success looks like this. Disciples that make disciples, that make more disciples, that make other disciples, that make more disciples. That's the success of the mission that he put in front of them. And again, one of the things we need to change is, is the common way actually churches tend to measure themselves. Churches tend to measure themselves more by what they get. How many people did we get at the meeting? How much money did we get given? It's often the way that churches measure themselves by how much came in to the center, to the middle, to the thing that we're doing. And kingdom building, I think, measures success not by what we get, but more by what we give away. Maybe we should all be more diligent about not what we get, but how much money we give away as individuals, as a church. Maybe we shouldn't be bothered about how many people come in to the services, but how many do we activate or send out in Jesus' name to do what God has called them to do? And this kingdom building practice has a, an exponential tag to it. John 14, Jesus said this, um, whoever comes after me and believes in my name will do the things that I have done and in fact, greater things than I will they do. So Jesus knew this whole thing he was doing, this whole commission, this, this whole revolutionary idea that he was rolling out to this small band of unlikely disciples would actually go beyond what even he could do in physical form on the earth. He was releasing his church to do greater things than him. Uh, and I've got some friends like that. I'm studying with some friends. I've got one friend, um, Theo. Last, I met him last year, and he told me, and this is like verified. We, we, it's been checked by a university and everything. He's, he's planted 75,000 churches, which is quite a lot. Um, he said to me, Brother, how many have you planted? And I was like, please, I don't want to talk about numbers. <laughs> it's Jesus. <laughs> and, it, and anyway, I caught up with him this year. So it was, a, it was 13 months later. So I said, how are the churches going? He goes, well, 86,000 churches. <laughs> so since I last saw him, he's managed to plant 11,000 churches. And I updated him with our developments as well. He was... Very impressed by all that we've been doing. <laughs> but here's the point. I think he's doing more than Jesus did. In Jesus' name. Empowered by Jesus. This exponential, this hero-making, this gift activation is evidentially true in his life. And I'm sure there are thousands and thousands of stories like that. As we close, here's, here's what I want to say. I think... Many people want to be a hero. 
some it might almost be a, a bias and an obsession. But for you understand the power of hero making and the power of being a hero making church. Sometimes people reach a point when they actually realize they've not been invested in. And it can be hard to, in effect, turn this into what we do for others. But it's possible to break that cycle. It's possible to give to others what maybe wasn't given to you. It should have been, but maybe it wasn't. But it's possible for you to walk out a different story and say, I will do it this way. John Calvin, the famous reformer, said this, the more focused a person is on upbuilding others, the more highly is that person to be regarded. And I think great leaders and people in churches can ask themselves this question. Am I trying to be the hero or am I making heroes of others? Jesus was the ultimate hero maker. He took 12 unlikely people and he turned them into the pillars of the church and they turned the world upside down. Here's how Eugene Peterson gives that passage that we read at the very beginning. He says this, Jesus gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life that I've shared with you. Mark them by baptism in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Spirit, and then instruct them in the practice of everything that I have commanded you. And don't worry because I will be with you as you do this, day after day, right until the end of the age. Amen. Okay, two things we need to do. First, you've got your skill, you've got your person, and you've got your next step. So I'm going to leave it with you to do something with that. Here's a little tip. You don't need them to tell the person that you're doing it. You can be an encourager. You don't need to say, hello, friend, I have decided to be an encourager for you and your gift. You can just start doing it, yeah? You don't have to make it like a weird thing. You can just do it. You can be a secret pastor to that person. You can be a secret encourager and start releasing what God has put within you to others. All of us have got something we can do. All of us have got something we can give. And the other thing, I think, is the question about dreams. And how about you just all stand up and we're going we're gonna to share... Our dreams. You might already know. You might, you, might, you might, as you speak, put words to it, as you hear someone else share. So we're going to do the elevator pitch. We're going to take like 15 seconds, and we're going to speak to a person, then the next person, the next person, and the next person. And the question that you're going to share, the thing you're going to share with the person is this. What's your dream for G2, for church, for G2 City, for the next year? What's your dream? What are you dreaming of? And if, if you're not sure, start, say something, and then you might go, oh, no, no, it's this, no, it's this. this so start, start with something you might already know or you might hear from somebody, and then that might trigger what you're going to do. So on your marks, get set, go. Go.